Everybody's had a few close calls Everybody's got a story What's yours? Hello friends, welcome to episode 17 of Cool Story with David J. McNeil. This episode is part three of a three-parter with the one and only Mr. Tommy Chong. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. This episode picks up my conversation with the one and only Canadian-American actor, writer, director, musician, businessman, cannabis rights activist, and comedian, Tommy Chung. In this final conversation, I chatted with Tommy about his many years as an advocate for cannabis. We also chatted about what it was like growing up poor and to be later in life rewarded for his creativity with wealth. At the age of 82, Tommy is also quite reflective on his life as a whole. So I asked him if he had put much thought into what he hoped his legacy would be. But why don't we just jump into it? Here is part three of my conversation with Tommy Chong. So what I was uh, going to ask you was, you told me that you felt that uh, you were here for a reason and most likely related to the fact that you were here to deliver a message about marijuana. You could have you could have been like a lot of guys and just enjoyed smoking your weed and kind of did your thing or whatever. But you've 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 been a, an ambassador for for pot. Why why was that? I, I, you know, I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it was like my prison experience. You know, uh, like I like I said before. Uh, you know, I, I for some reason I ended up meeting people that just got out of prison end up having to, using our house as a halfway house. Yeah. Well, as soon as I got, to, yeah, because the way I got turned on to pot was, you know, it was quite, quite, uh, uh, you know, what do you, what's the word I'm looking for? Cosmic, you know, he, uh, I never got turned on until I was totally ready. And then when I did get turned on, I, I treated it, you know, with, with a lot of respect. And then I realized it, it really is, you know, a, a, a good way to improve my health as opposed to, see, a lot of people, there, there's different reasons why they get high. And there's a, a lot of different reasons why they don't get high. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's what you're trained to do, I guess. I'm, I'm, you know, this is just, you know, I'm just trying to figure this out. Uh, but I think in my case, because it, it touched such a spiritual side of me uh, very, very strongly. And, and then, then it, like, it led me to, to the spiritual literature and to the, uh, to the knowledge. And, and when I, once, once you get that knowledge, uh, it, it's like a, it's like your computer, you know, it's all of a sudden you discover certain things, certain apps. If you hit a certain combination, you, you, you come up with, uh, with answers. Like in the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Well, I started really early in my life. I started asking, you know, literally almost out loud, you know, Okay, if there is if there is a God, let let me see, let me see the proof. Mm. And and uh, wow, <laughs> I asked, and the proof came. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so I think that's one of the reasons um, because I was given a lot of gifts, 
but nothing not one of the gifts made me feel like well this is it you know i know what i want to do the rest of my life mm -hmm. other than the only gift that i had was this search for god you know and then when i found uh you know when i when i found the the, the way the cannabis affects me then i started uh, you know, when I'd be interviewed or talking about it, I, I, it was it was never um it was never like a daring thing to do. You know, I smoked a joint. It was like when I smoked, it was no one really in my set for sure. It was I was you know I grew up in the fifties. It was like alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a whole thing of al alcohol uh, civilization mm -hmm. <laughs> or community you know everything revolved around alcohol yeah you know you work to the weekend and then the weekend you go to the parties and you you, you know canadians you put your case of beer and you brought your case of beer and, yeah. and you you sat on the case of beer and that was your beer mm -hmm. and you drank it and then uh, you know everybody had their own booze you know but when i started getting into the marijuana uh, culture, it was a different different kind of thing. It was like, it was always experimenting. Hey, try this, try this, try this, you know? And and it was like, because we're in Canada, this didn't happen all the time. It was just whenever uh, certain entertainers would come to town, they would say they would have something. And so I, I think when I, when I went to prison, I started writing. Uh, when I wrote the book, then I started, you know, I, I, it, was, it wasn't me, you know, <laughs> like I, I didn't choose this, this path. Yeah. The path kind of chose me. Yeah. And, and next thing you know, you know, people wanted to hear, hear, hear what I had to say about right. the pot. And that's the way it is now. You know, they want to hear about it. And then the more I talk about it, uh, th that's why I really couldn't get too hard deep into the growing or the the you know the naming of the of the kind of of, uh, of different strains all that mm -hmm. stuff you know but yeah i was you know right in the middle of it all uh and then i you know i became a reluctant spokesperson <laughs> right reluctant yeah you know well when we did the movies for sure because uh, like i said the first movie uh you know the record producer wanted it to be a, a series of record bits, you know, mm -hmm. Cheech Chong's greatest hits. But uh, Cheech and I both decided, or and it was me that really made the final decision that it would be, uh, you know, about pot and about the Mexican culture, or the Chicano culture. And, and so, especially during this lockdown and that, you know, and, and I got so much weed, you know, it just, it just it came to me. <laughs> and then when I tried to grow it uh, this last cycle and I messed up so badly, uh, again, as soon as I, I text that, you know, that I messed it up and then, oh, then everybody started donating things for me, you know, to help me grow my weed better. <laughs> So I got a, a tent donated and, and just like, uh, you know, everything gets given to me. Mm -hmm. And then, it, so I got this feeling that, you know, uh, because of, uh, of my status, you know, as a, a movie actor, comedian or whatever. And it's all about, it's always been about pot, mm -hmm. either, either talking about pot or being under the influence. Well, I talked about other things that kind of related to pot, yeah. you know, and so everything was pointing in that direction.
and then then I got these uh, messages of of how to help the you know fix the economy and and, uh, and you know I ran a few of these ideas by some you know real professional guys because again you know like with, with Shelby and myself especially Shelby's such a, a fine artist there's there, that's another like a pot wish come true mm-hmm. you know. Because I was married before, and you know, happily married, but very traditional. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the wife worked, and I uh, did my thing. But when I met Shelby, uh, I met a soulmate. You know, yeah. in fact, the only reason she went with me is that that I was married, I was safe, because she was one of these beauties that had a problem of guys falling in love with her. You know, and she was like a free spirit. She just you know, wanted to do her art. And then when she met me and I was because I was constrained, you know, she thought that was perfect. And then we we did fall in love to the point where we just had to be together. That was mm-hmm. the end of that. And now we're together. And, and but even right now, even though we're together, she's still, uh, you know, a total an individual. She's, you know, it's like, it's like I got a roommate. and not even a roommate i got a uh, like another professional living in the house you know right she's got her own everything her own life everything and and, uh and so everything just sort of made it easy for me to do do what i'm doing yeah you know and uh and and to promote pot and to think of ways to help the world because I, you know, I see a lot of, I say a lot of things in it that it's not really me talking, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, why did I say that? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've said some really strange things. The uh, teach would look at me, you know, where'd that come from? You know? And, and, uh, and so that, that's the conclusion that I've been coming to, uh, especially lately because I, um, I've been reading Emmett Fox, you know, he's a very, uh, the spiritual, uh, looking for my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he's a, a spiritualist. Actually, I started off with another spiritualist, Joel Goldsmith. And and I, I read everything Joel wrote. And, uh, and it, you know, then he got a little repetitious. And then, then I, then Joel was always would always talk about Emmett Fox. Mm-hmm. So then I said, "Oh, okay, I'll read Emmett Fox." Yeah. And, and Emmett Fox is another spiritualist that uh, that I, I really feel uh, channeled by, by a spirit like him. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know, there's so many answers that that you get when you ask. Yeah. When you go when you go looking. Just like a, uh, I always, it's it's almost like a, a gold miner, you know, a guy looking for gold, mm-hmm. you know. And what you do, you, you look for areas where gold would be, based on, you know, different past uh, finds and that. And so you don't just look for the gold; you look for the for the for the situation around around the gold. You know, yeah. that's why it could be in riverbeds. It could be, uh, uh, you know, in you know, in different places. You know, and uh, and and so when you find it, when you find that vein of gold. And then you you follow it, and it might end, or it might be part of a, a larger uh, mother load. You know? And that's what I found with uh, with with my uh, with with my with pot. Because every every high I get, uh, it it 
it's not the same. They're, they're, they're never the same high. Sometimes I'll, 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 I'll have to write, you know, get my guitar out and start uh, trying to write a tune mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or I'll write lyrics for, for no reason. I just, just do stream of consciousness. Yeah. Just being right? channeled. Almost like, yeah. Being channeled, being channeled. And so, uh, so, so almost everything almost, uh, foreshadowed uh, this pandemic because I was in a movie called uh, The Color of Space mm -hmm. with uh, Nick Cage and the movie was about a pandemic yeah. that came that came to Earth from uh, it was, uh, what's his name? A very famous uh, science fiction writer. I, I can't think of his name right now. But anyway, he wrote it in it, all the science fiction buffs. You know, oh, you, you did one of those movies. And, uh, and the director is from uh, Africa uh, by way of England. Very strange guy, uh, Stanley, uh, something Stanley. Uh, anyway, he wanted me to play the part of this sort of a uh, recluse uh, hermit right. that foreshadowed he's the voice of the movie talking about this pandemic where mm. it came out of nowhere and, and all that stuff and so we ended up first of all we're in argentina in buenos aires studying tango it was like a gift to my wife she's a, a really good tango dancer and uh we went from buenos aires to we ended up in uh, portugal shooting a movie about a pandemic yeah and wow <laughs> you talk about <laughs> foreshadowing Almost a year to the day later, wow. the pan the pandemic hit. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I mean, you tell Interesting me. Interesting the way these things happen. Yeah. Let me ask you: Do you do you feel vindicated that the world is is changed? Uh, it, it's uh, the way it perceives uh, pot and what can what it can do for people after all the work you've put into trying to change people's minds about about the plant about cannabis not really no? not really I, I don't think in terms of, of that the way i think is is that we're all on our own trip mm -hmm. we're all individuals and now that's a lot of trips you know and everybody's yeah. on their own trip mm -hmm. and uh, this is one of them yeah this is just one of them and uh, that's why in the bible you know it tells you not to judge be not to be judgmental and the reason is is that we're, we're in a physical world and uh, judging would be like judging everything's in, in, in uh, constantly changing mm -hmm. everything's constantly changing so everything is developing it's like judging a cookie before it's baked right you yeah know, you look in there's oh god I, I can't eat that look it's not even cooked you mm -hmm. know it's soft and icky and mushy and everything else you know no you don't judge or, or when you judge, you judge righteous judgment. That's mm -hmm. what the Bible says. And the righteous judgment is is that. And that's why it, it, you don't want to go negative. Because, again, negatives, uh, in the Goldsmith books, it says something about you can't go anywhere with a negative thought. Right. You're, you're, you're stopped with mm -hmm. a negative thought. It's almost, that's what they, when they talk about the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. That's what death is, is when you, when you judge something in a negative manner, you actually kill it. Mm -hmm. And you don't allow it to grow in your own mind. Right. You see. But if you don't judge and you just admire or you just observe, then, then you can see the change. Mm -hmm. you know? Then you can see the change. You know, just like you can see a, 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 a little skunk. It look really cute. I think that's cute. 
you know, and, and you're judging appearances. Oh, that's cute. That's cuddly. And then you go to pick it up and it picks up yeah. its tail and it, it squirts the shit out of you. you know? <laughs> and then you go, and then see, that's, that's judgment. That's yeah. judgmental. You see, now, if you just observe and watch and study mm. and learn, see, that's the trick. You don't judge, you learn. And when you learn, there's always something to learn. And, and, there's, and there's always something to learn from, from, uh, from people, especially. Mm-hmm. Like I've been uh, told, you know, especially in this pandemic, you know, my, my son's very nervous about me because I got fans, they want to take pictures of me. And, and, and the weirdest thing about me that I can see is that I was never prepared for stardom, so to speak. Right. That's when I, when I started out playing music, I wasn't the star. I was a backup guitar player, you know, Yeah. and I was making the fiddle player. I was giving him what he needed. You know, he needed that rhythm. He needed that, 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 oh, and when, when I gave him that rhythm and he heard that rhythm, then he could really play. And so I was always encouraging him to play, mm-hmm. but I never, and, and he got the accolades, you know, oh yeah, hey, Mel, you're the greatest, Mel, all right, blah, 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 you know, and I was per- con- totally content to do my job of mm-hmm. making him, him good because I knew how important I was because he would do whatever he had to do to get me to be there. Yeah. Like a lot, you know, it's like Cheech and Chong, you know, you can't have the, the show without Cheech or Chong. Yeah. You know, if it's just a Chong show, okay, Chong's okay. But you can't have, oh, instead of Chong, here comes someone else, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And so, so when and it came time to become a, a solo art, I, oh, okay, uh, let me study that. So I studied that. I learned how to do, become a solo act. But again, see, we're never alone. A comedian can't perform without as an audience. <laughs> yeah. So you need an audience. Yeah, yeah. And when I was practicing my comedy, I used to go for walks with my dog. I had a, a German Shepherd, sort of a mutt, you know. Uh, it was a, a Labrador. It was a, a Labrador, a little black Labrador. And I called him Tempe. And the reason I called him Tempe is that I did a show for a SPCA, you know, animal shelter thing. And they put this puppy on my lap and said, this puppy needs a home. <laughs> and it's cuddled in my lap. And next thing you know, I was home. <laughs> and I never had a dog. And, I, and I, I grew up with dogs, you know. And I said, oh. But again, I never owned the dog. But even the one I grew up with, it was a family dog. And so I never really owned anything. And so uh, when I was going home, you know, I'm driving home, I phoned my wife and I said, Shelby, and I said, I, I got a dog. She said, well, that'll be temporary. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, so I named him Tempe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we kept him for, for 16 years. Yeah. But when I was practicing to be a solo cam- comedian, I'd, I'd take Tempe on a walk. And there was a little stage in the, in the field where I'd walk to. Now, I don't know what that stage was about. I'm not sure. But it was a, a stage built around a, a, a tree. It was weird. But anyway, I'd get on that stage, and my dog would be sitting there, and, and I'd practice my stand-up. Yeah. Just practicing being on stage by myself. Good evening, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And, I'd, and I'd kind of go sing. And my dog was my, my, my audience. <laughs> he'd, he'd sit there and look at me for a while, and then he'd get bored and wander off, you know, or he'd start looking at his balls. And, and I, I, could, I could tell, you know, if I was going over, not just by, by his reaction. 
but but that yeah so so i always approached everything as like oh yeah almost like channeled you know like okay you're going to be a solo act for a minute because that's the reason i went solo was that Cheech and i broke up and then i tried to do a movie by myself and that didn't work i mean i did it it was not bad you know but again you know to do to be with a, a cheech in your life it was you know I just never got the respect. And then, so then I realized I needed to be a solo act in order to gain the respect that I needed to be mm-hmm. as a solo act. And so I did. And and so that was another uh, case of when one door shuts, another door opens. Sure. And so when Cheech and I broke up, instead of moaning about it, I just went on, took advantage of, did a solo. And then I realized I was lonely on the road. That road is lonely, dude. Yeah. Oh, oh. Especially if you're married, yeah, you know, and especially if you're married to a gorgeous woman, you know, because you know it's just the law of the odds. <laughs> you know, you leave anything alone, beautiful alone, they're going to find uh, companionship somewhere, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so and so, uh, and she was trying to be an actress. You know, she was starting to take an acting, you know, she's always, Shelby's always been, uh, you know, one of learn how to do things right, you know, so mm-hmm. she takes lessons. Right now she's, she takes what, three or four lessons, dance, and she does her Pilates kind of yeah. thing, and, and she does her art and everything. And so I, I, I said uh, to her, I said, I was going, oh, I got a gig in Guam, you know, it's beautiful. And I thought, oh, I'm going to Guam, so why don't you come with me? And she goes, nah, you know, I don't want to come and sit there, you know sit in the dressing room and says, well, how about if I put you in the show? And then she, right away, she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so, so she ended up in the show in Guam. And her first gig really was just introducing me. Yeah, and, I've seen some of them. And here's, here's, here's uh, Tommy Chong. And then pretty soon, she started doing a couple of bits. Okay, Tommy, about a minute, but first of all, you know, how many da-da-da? And next thing you know, she, she started, we started writing bits for her and, and she did, she progressed. And then she got to the point where she was doing, a, you know, a good 20 minutes solo. Yeah. And then we'd get to, then, then she, I was always there like her training wheels, you know, mm-hmm. whenever it got tight. Oh, okay. You ready to see Tommy? Okay. And then she'd bring me out. Yeah. And then I worked her into my act as well. And so when then Cheech and I, and we're doing really well. You know, we're all over the place, you know, selling T-shirts. And then she got me selling T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Before she joined the act, I used to sell the club's T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and, wherever the, and the clubs love me. You know, they booked me in there as much as they could because sure. I'd sell all their T-shirts. Yeah, because yeah. I never had any, any of my own to sell. And so as soon as she joined the joined up, she goes, hey, we're going to sell our own T-shirts. <laughs> and so pretty soon we, we were the act that was selling more merch than anybody else yeah you know yeah, we're selling tons of merch and so so then uh, then uh talking about Cheech and I getting back together again and that was like whoa that was a big deal well Shelby said no no I'm going to be part of the act she you know she said we're not going to break up our act you know we're yeah we're got a good thing going good. yeah and so then I said okay and so then we got a gig in Australia and the Australian promoter says okay uh well then Shelby will go on first then there will be an intermission, and then we'll bring Cheech and Chong on. And at first, I was like, oh, I don't know how that's going to work. And then we told Shelby, Shelby said, oh, yeah, okay, great. 
so that's that's the kind of lady she is. Mm-hmm. And so so then she developed her own act. Yeah. She did her own. It started, you know, ended up being about 30, 30 minutes, uh, 35. She could do 45 if she had to. That's a lot of time. Uh, but she was never really, you know, she was like my wife uh, introducing, yeah, she could do jokes. Yeah, she could be funny. Yeah, she could control the crowd, all that. But, you know, it was... It was because we could, we would be together, and then she tried to you know went with the girlfriend. She went she went out and, uh, and started doing open mic nights. Her and her girlfriend, cool. you know, yeah, and 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 then she found out you know, <laughs> then she found you know the 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 real truth you know, right? Not riding on any anybody's fame, you know, just. Who are you? You know, you better be funny or else. Yeah, you better grab and, quick. And, and, and when 9-11 hit, the, her and her girlfriend, another comedian, they were in, uh, where were they? Nashville. I think they were in Nashville when 9-11 hit. And to show you how, what a comedian, how focused they were, Shelby especially. Okay, 9-11 hit. Everything got shut down, right? Mm-hmm. They show up to the comedy club ready to do their set. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and the club owner says, haven't you watched television? <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't you see what went on? Yeah. We still want to do our set. <laughs> the show must go on. <laughs> I mean, in her mind, I mean, it was, when she told me that, oh, I mean, she, she's, she's always amazed me. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it went. And this lockdown really affected her. Because she wasn't working, she she got that bug, you know, yeah, yeah. performance bug, man. Yeah. Whoa, you know, I mean, when you're when you're not working, it's just you're counting the the minutes before you, you know, okay, I got to, I leave Friday or I leave whatever, and then then nothing happens until Friday, and then you're on the plane, and then you know, then then she comes alive, like you know how it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With this lockdown, you know, we had to stop everything. Well, me, it was no problem. You know, I, like, again, I'm a writer, I'm a, whatever I am, you know. You can stay home and do your thing. It's oh, you're good. I could, you know, I, I did time in jail with no yeah, problem. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was like, oh, I get out already? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, uh, it's a trip. So, so uh, again, you know, I, like, I really do believe, you know, my, my, my job is to, Saved the world was was uh, not so much mar- marijuana in the sense that that uh, you know I'm going to get everybody stoned or anything like that. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. No. What I mean is that marijuana, or actually, we're going to start calling it cannabis. I was told by a grower that marijuana is a slave name, and right. that we should just call it cannabis. So the cannabis just affects the brain, and with mm-hmm. me, my brain is. That's what I, I feel that I am really on a, on a mission to to uh, to uh, save humanity with ideas that mm-hmm. were channeled to me uh, through uh, through the cannabis right. plant, and, and and that's where I feel I'm at now. So that sounds like your focus is that other people have the opportunity to enjoy what you've enjoyed mostly. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that other yeah, people yeah. get to open themselves up to that experience and 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 experience uh, what what you've uh, been lucky enough to experience. Well, what if if that's your if that's your 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 goal here? You see, yeah, you know, you, you, I learned. Oh, you know, over the years, 
like when we when we did Corsican Brothers in 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 France, mm-hmm. that was another thing, you know. Shelby, always, you know, but she she's so smart and so talented. When we did uh, Up in Smoke, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. I was going to be busy doing the movie, so her and her sister went to Paris. It was a dream of hers, and they went and lived in lived in Paris. Took their kids. They had uh, their little guys. And uh, they went and lived. They found a little hotel, a little cheap hotel. And then they found a little restaurant that would take take their, their ratty kids, you know. Where they had a special room for them because the kids would be so messy. You know, <laughs> two, three-year-old kids, you know, and they're just food all over the place. And, uh, and, and But she went and lived in Paris with her sister. And they studied French. Mm-hmm. And, and she became quite good. She is to this day. Me, I, you know, it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I learned was je ne pas pas français. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she, yeah, she's always been, uh, you know, kind of ahead of the curve like that, you know, or taking advantage of our, of our situation, you know, and like like when we went, you know, when I started making big money with the movies, uh, uh, I, I I bought the first house. Yeah. And, and we lived in it for a while, and then it was too big. It was too big of a mansion. And the problem with, with mansions is that they're only good if you entertain. <laughs> and then if you're entertaining, then all of a sudden you're not, no longer the owner of the mansion. You are the uh, guy that tells where you can get the ice, where the bathroom is. Right. <laughs> that was you. You move the cars around if they're parked, yeah. you know. I mean, you're just, and then you can't go to bed because you still got guests there. And then when you go to bed, oh, shit, you know, you got to get, it was just too much. Yeah. And so we, uh, first chance we got, and then my son fell and hurt his head on the tile. And it was like, an excuse, oh, we got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> this place is trying to kill so us. Moved, <laughs> yeah, so we moved into, we, 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 that's what I learned, the beauty of a small house mm-hmm. because you can't have too many guests <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> you got out of that one yeah, yeah so, so 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 she you know she just took over that part of my life and you know the finding you know uh, what do you call it um you know, being a manager managing everything you know? right and that's what and that's basically what she is not my son now has taken over that job Mm-hmm. quite a bit you know he's still right and now my wife you know she's totally concentrating on her own art and everything which yeah. is really really good so i so i really got a perfect thing here and and i i am left alone uh you know and like i like i tell people you know uh, i have these these country habits because i do have a habit of of tripping about the way i was raised you know yeah, and I realized as you get older, uh, you naturally go back to your childhood because that's when you were re- you were really alone. Mm-hmm. Even though you might have had a friend, but you, maybe you didn't see that friend all the time once in a yeah. while, you know. And and even though you had a brother and a sister like I did, we were estranged, you know. I mean, my sister had her life, my brother had his life, I had sure. my life, you know, and. Uh, but I was always uh, a creative, and so I always think back to those those days when I was alone. Because as you get older, the older you get, the more alone you become. Yeah, 
and and that's where I'm at now, you know. Tommy then recounted some of his memories about growing up poor and how those times were always at the forefront of his mind later in life when his creativity was rewarded financially. I grew up poor, and, and we, we used to take foster kids in uh, to make them. It was, that's what poor people do. You know, when I was watching a show where they're evicting people, you know, and they evicted this one family, young guy, they got the kids and, and they, everything they owned was in a stroller, mm-hmm. and they're pushing it out and they're kicking them out of their house, you know. And I looked at the guy and I, and I didn't, I, I did not feel anything but kind of like excitement for him. I didn't feel sad at all. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is that he's a survivor. Yeah, I mean, he got to live in a nice house for a while, and and, and what I've envisioned is that oh, there's some relative that he's going to go and stay with, yeah. with the kids, and they're going to like like I did when I was growing up. Oh, we stayed with my aunt and uncle. We stayed where we had to stay, mm-hmm. you know. And when I was a when I was a baby, I don't remember it, but uh, the first uh, real house we had was a converted chicken coop. Mm-hmm. It was on a farm in in uh, northern uh, north of Edmonton. Yeah, Athabasca. I think it was called Athabasca, and uh, and my dad tried to raise turkeys, and and on the land that he was working was a uh, an old chicken coop, and so they re- renovated it, and that was our first house. Yeah, I was a baby. I was just born, and then. My mother told me that we moved when we moved to Edmonton. It was, we had to rent a horse drawn. It was a hay wagon, mm-hmm. and we put all our furniture on the hay wagon. And my mother had a pet crow that that she had adopted when you know she was one of those special people, and she adopted this pet crow. And the pet crow followed us followed us right up to the town and then I guess it flew off and found yeah. a, found a home but uh, yeah I I, I, I I I've been through that I, I know that that feeling and the thing is you don't you don't know you're poor when you're poor no you know you know Until somebody tells you you're poor <laughs> yeah oh no you see somebody else and then and I used to feel sorry for rich kids I never envied anybody mm-hmm I, oh, one, yeah, one time I did. No, not envied, but I admired him. Mm-hmm. One time, a coach from the U, from the U.S. came up to coach the Calgary St. Peters. Yeah, and his kid enrolled had to enroll in our school. Now we're a Canadian school, so it was like if you're a new kid, you had to go fight everybody uh, and see how tough you were. <laughs> right. You know, it was a Canadian thing. You had to go behind the tower. You mm-hmm. had a water tower there, and hey, hey. Uh, they're going to fight behind the tower. Yeah. And that was, and that way, hey, I'll meet you behind the tower. I'll meet you, uh, you know, behind the thing. And, uh, and I remember the rich kid, the first day he's, he's in school, he's back, he's back there and he's duking it out with uh, Teddy, Teddy Blair. Remember the guy's name? And the kid had this beautiful summer shirt, you know, mm-hmm. just casual that we wear down in the States all the time. Right. But we never wore them up, up in Canada. We never had that clothes and i remember looking at him and he and, and he could box he was really mm-hmm. a good boxer like he like he, he he knew what to do with 
And the and that was the trick. See, if if you if you knew how to hold your fist, the other guy went, "Oh shit." <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, yeah, I was saying when you're poor, because poor kids are always around other poor kids. Yeah. And there's always someone poorer than you. Like us, like with us. There was a family one time, they were so poor that the father loaded them up in a car one day and, and they went and robbed a bank. Wow. And they got caught and they got put in jail, but at least they were warm. Right. These kids used to go to school, no socks with rubber boots in Calgary mm -hmm. in the middle of winter. Yeah. That that's poor. Yeah, yeah. That's poor. And of course they smelled because they were, they had no bath and everything else. And 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 I remember that reading that and my own my own nephew. <laughs> no, he's a relative, like a distant cousin. From uh, outside of Trail BC, uh, the Wasics, oh, Ukrainian. Mm -hmm. uh, he was famous because uh, he robbed a bank too. But the trouble is, he rented a car from Hertz or something, and they put a governor on it because it was uh, a young kid and he wanted him to speed. Yeah. <laughs> and the kid, uh, he robbed a bank, and then the bank phoned the cops and said who it was and the guy cops says oh okay i know who it is don't worry about it and so they had their lunch and they went over and picked him up and put him in jail yeah put the kid in jail and the kid was you know kind of it's kind of sad now anyway he sent me a threatening letter one time uh threatening me <laughs> because i was a famous uncle you know? right and i had met him i met the whole family one one year and 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 so I knew I knew who they were. So no matter how poor you are, there's always someone poor. Yeah. And when you grow up in a poor society, your riches are different and your problems are different. Yeah. Uh, and and usually, usually has to do with alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, growing sure. up with with me. But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that, that like you said. You know, when you ask, you know, how, how does it feel? I don't know. See, I, I've never looked at weed, for instance, as being anything but, you know, uh, feeling, you know, made me, makes me feel good. You know, yeah. I know it's good for you, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt bad for everybody. And as far as, you know, like now, like we just had a report. We had a dinner and we had a report that uh, the CBD sales are going through the roof. Going right. Crazy. Yeah. I attribute that to my spiritual training. Sure. Because when when you get on the right track, man, the 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 rewards are whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Astronomical. Yeah. Astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. But you gotta be true. You you gotta be true. And you can't think in terms of that, you know. In fact, if anything, you think in terms of helping people, you know. Uh, like now, uh, if I see, you know, homeless or begging on the street, you know, I, I, I stop. I get money all the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, because I, love it, I know the feeling. I know the feeling of being broken. All of a sudden, someone gives you money. Yeah. You know, I know that feeling. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I've got rich, rich friends, you know, and, and they're so cheap. They, they, will, they will walk to the restaurant rather than to park the car because they don't want to pay the, the valet parking <laughs> right. fee. Yeah. And these guys are, are millionaires, billionaires. Yeah. 
but they but you you get this weird mindset that that for somehow if you screw someone else out it makes you feel better or something right. you know yeah yeah but the but you when you do that you carry that vibe with you yeah and then you have people waiters and that it's almost like you know how people around animals some animals just don't look like certain people sure it's a vibe you got and, yeah. and and that's that's what you carry with you when when you're when you're greedy and when you're when you're uptight. Yeah, that aura. But, uh, yeah. No, yeah. with me, you know, I, I give stuff away. <laughs> I love the look. I love the look on the face. Like yeah. I get my dogs groomed all the time, you know, and and I always give them a big weed tip, you know, and and. And the guy that get the dog, the dog groomer, he's always oh, he loves to see me coming. <laughs> <laughs> You're a seeker. You've had a, a, an opportunity to see the life from a lot of different vantage points. You talked about uh, being poor as a child. You, you've been a wealthy person. You've got, had a lot of experiences. Uh, and uh, uh, do you think much about legacy, about, about no. what your legacy is going to be? No, it's not something that you think about much. I, the only thing I think about was my funeral. Right. I want. I want to. Uh, I, I want to uh, write my the program for my funeral mm-hmm. because I want it to be very very funny. You know, I want to. <laughs> I want everybody to be laughing. Yeah. Because a, a a really close friend of mine. He was my first landlord. He was my my landlord when I had nothing. And you know, at first we first got the first album, and then I, I we could move into a decent place, and I, I moved into his place. Mm-hmm. And he and his wife taught my wife how to cook, and and Frank was beautiful. We had the best time. We loved each other. You know, there's a big love to uh, each other. And then as I bought the houses and that, he was a caretaker, took care of it. And that, yeah. and then that one house I bought in Bel Air, he 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 grew a whole big uh, almost a half an acre of weed <laughs> for me. And, you know, you taught me I found the seed, I put it in the ground. Next thing I know, I grow a bigger plant. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, he died. And they had me speak at his his funeral. Yeah. And so I, uh, so I told the story about him growing the pot plant. And I had that whole church just rocking. They were laughing so hard because they, you know, because as the, the plants matured, we had people trying to steal the plants. And, they, and Frank sat out in the yard with a gun, you know, and, and he found the guy, he saw the guy stealing, you know, coming in there stealing the the, the the weed and Frank got behind him and said, You drop it that bag or I'm gonna shoot you in the ass. <laughs> and the guy dropped the bag and ran. And so I told that story at at the funeral and every the the church was just rocking with laughter. What's nicer than laughter with, with sadness? Yeah. You know, and that's what I want to do. When 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 you talk about legacy, when I go out, I want people to be I want people to come out of that church holding their sides, laughing so hard. Right, right. You you want to you want to finish your journey as you've lived your journey. Yeah, happy. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. I want everybody to to, to 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 be smiling and laughing and happy because yeah. you know I am. I'm going to be laughing and you know it's going to be funny. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. It's going to be a very comedic. You know. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. All right. Well, look, Tommy. I want to thank you very much for all the time you've spent with me. It's been a real pleasure, and it's been and it's been lovely to uh, to to listen to you and to to uh, 
understand the way you approach life. There's so much to be learned there, and I, I've learned a lot from it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up some of the books that you've talked about, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do my own research. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Especially uh, Emmett Fox. He'll he'll turn you into the key of life. Yeah. And it's a very simple key. All you do is think of God. It's all it's very simple. We all have a God app. Mm-hmm. And, and and when things get down, try it. Yeah. Try it anytime. Try it with yeah. your wife. Try it anything. Don't say anything. But just think of God. And and what what happens that that God uh, seeps into you. That's what I do all the time. And and it changes. It changes everything yeah. when when my when my wife's kind of pissed off at me you know i'll think of god and the next thing you know she comes out there she just baked a whole <laughs> bunch of goodies <laughs> she, she has no idea why she did it but that's the power you have yeah no so enjoy enjoy yeah well like i said it's been a real pleasure and i want to thank you again for uh, spending this time with me uh it, it's been uh it's been wonderful so thank you tommy thank you for being on the okay. podcast and uh keep in touch I will. You All too. Right. There you have it. Part three of my chat with the one and only Tommy Chong. I want to thank Tommy again for so generously sharing his time and his cool story. I am truly grateful for the time that Tommy and I spent together, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to our chats as well. It was a real pleasure. Also, thanks again to another great entertainer, Mr. Jerry Stamp, who wrote and performed the Cool Story theme song and all other jingles and stings that appear on the show. As I always suggest, do yourselves a favor and look for Jerry's music wherever you stream. And finally, thank you for listening. Until next time, Pura Vida. Everybody's had some adventures. Everybody's had a few close calls. Everybody's got a story What's yours?